Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the 32nd Century. We're with Discovery once again. Hi, I'm Bruce Gibson here on Positively Trek. And with me, as he always is in this century, is Dan Gunther. Dan, you look very happy today. I am so happy to be here talking about Star Trek because, yeah, I just uh, I just got off work. It was a tiring day, and I knew waiting for me at home was my microphone and my Zoom meeting with Bruce to talk Positively Trek. So, uh, yeah. Today has now become a very good day. Exactly. A very good day to a podcast. So (laughs) not a good day to die. I don't like to say that. Do you like to (laughs) avoid saying that? I tried to not to say that. Yeah. Well, I always wonder, you know, like, is is there like a Klingon page a day calendar and like, you know, Gorak of House to Goth has it on his desk and you know, he looks and he's like, is today a good day to die? Uh, no, no, today is not a good day to die. It looks like the next good day to die is next Wednesday. Next Wednesday is a good day to die. Right, because today it's raining and I have a dentist appointment. It is not a good day to die. I have more time <laughs> next Wednesday. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, when is there not a good day to die for Klingons, right? <laughs> yeah. No, I mean... It has to do with the moon phases of Praxis, I guess. That's my best guess. Well, we're not here to talk about Klingons because there are no Klingons in this episode. We are going to talk about Discovery Season 4, Episode 9, Rubicon. But before we get to that, we have some news items we want to touch on, which I'm really excited, actually, to talk about some of these. And some of these, I don't know how I feel. (laughs) You know where I'm coming from. (laughs) Could there be the return of some movie news, maybe? Movie news? Movie news? We haven't had any movie news in years. Not. (laughs) So, anyway, we'll get to that in a second. But before we talk about that movie news, this is still kind of movie news, but this is about Viacom CBS. And when Viacom and CBS merged back together, no lie, I was like, I don't like the name Viacom CBS. I get it. But you know what? They should just rebrand that Paramount because Paramount's just an iconic name and it's simple and it's recognized worldwide. They should just call themselves Paramount, but they'll never do that. Well, ladies and gentlemen, they're doing it. They're now calling Viacom CBS Paramount or in other words, Paramount Global is the official name. But for short, they're saying Paramount. So, Dan, what do you think about Star Trek is now back under the Paramount umbrella? Well, it's it's kind of great. It's like a bit of a homecoming, even though, you know, Star Trek really never left. But, you know, we've got the the Paramount logo at the start of all the Star Trek films and, and the, you know, at the end of Star Trek episodes back in the day watching in the 90s and before that. So, yeah, it feels like that's Star Trek's home. And I've got to say the the reasoning they're giving for this, everything you said there, the brand recognition the long-running name, the the global weight that name carries, is all of the same arguments they made when they named Paramount Plus. So, you know, it, it's funny that it kind of took them a while to come around to like, oh, let's extend that to our entire brand, not just our streaming service. You know, Paramount, it's such a venerated name and it's been around for so many decades. Let's, uh, or almost a century, I guess, more than a century. I don't know. It's it's a long-running name, I guess. Yeah, it but is a long time, yeah. Yeah, so it makes sense, you know, that they would kind of cash in on that. Viacom CBS, yeah, eh. Paramount, yeah, I'm here for it. You need that Jordy LaForge meme where he's like, no, at Viacom CBS, and the yeah, at Paramount. Yeah, because, I mean, Viacom is, you know, pretty well-known, I think. But again, worldwide, I don't know how much. CBS... Yeah, here in the States, it's well-known. Again, other places, it's known, but it's not like that 
paramount name like everywhere else. But this is also an indication, and they've said this too, that this just shows that they're investing more into their streaming services, that that's their future, and that all future Paramount movie titles will be exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Mm-hmm. So that's building that whole brand and that product. And so as we've talked about in previous episodes, upcoming seasons and series of Star Trek are going to be exclusively on Paramount Plus in other countries. So they're going to build up the service there. You're still going to have for a while things where Picard's on Amazon Prime Video and maybe Prodigy's on Paramount Plus, whatever that is. But I think over time... Paramount Plus will be available everywhere, and all the new Star Trek will be available on that app everywhere. It may take longer in Canada because of the deals they have there with Bell Media, but in the long run, I think it's going to eventually go there. So yes, that means you have to pay extra to get Star Trek because you're subscribing to an app you may not already have. So, you know, there's trade-offs on that. Well, for sure. And I mean, I'm up here in Canada, and I talk a big game when people are complaining about subscribing first to cbs all access and then paramount plus to have to get star trek and i'm like oh you know it's it's fine blah 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 i have to subscribe to crave to get it here in canada but to be fair i was subscribed to crave already before star trek came along much like the worldwide audience was for netflix back when it was first premiering on net on netflix internationally and uh, I'm going to have to put my money where my mouth is, I'm sure, at some point once they move it all to Paramount Plus here in Canada. So, yeah, fair enough. It it hurts. It's, you know, having to subscribe to something new. But for me, for Star Trek, it's worth it. Where Star Trek is, that's where I will go to watch Star Trek. So, And I'll tell you what I do like about it. I mean, of course, yeah, you're spending more money and you know, not everybody wants to do that, right? And not everybody can afford to do that. But, you know, but fortunately, I'm able to do that. And yeah, I don't want to spend more money. But I have to say, I do enjoy going into the Star Trek section on Paramount Plus, And there's every single Star Trek series right there. I don't have to go to Netflix for this one or Prime Video for the other one. They're all right there. I used to watch all my Star Trek on Netflix. Mm-hmm. And I know that I think some of the series are still on Netflix. I don't even go there anymore for Star Trek. It's always Paramount+. Plus. Yeah, I'm actually kind of looking forward to seeing that here as well at some point. You know, just that that idea that it's all in one place and I can just get it there. And it's it's kind of like that with Crave. I think most everything Star Trek wise, with the exception of the films, are on Crave. But uh, yeah, I'm sure that will change at some point. Well, I know one Star Trek film that will be on Paramount Plus after it comes out in the theaters, and that is this new Star Trek four that is in the Kelvin timeline universe. Well, I guess I shouldn't say timeline universe, the Kelvin timeline, because yes, Dan, as you said earlier, we got movie news. Oh my gosh. Okay. So JJ Abrams has said that they're going to do another movie, Kelvin timeline, with the original cast, they're going to start. They haven't got the deals done with the cast yet, cast yet, so they're getting ready to approach them on that. But I have to tell you, Dan, I need to ask you, what did you think as soon as you saw this information? I'm just curious. What what thought process was going through your mind? My first thought, my very first thought, and I kid you not, when I saw this news, was how much fun we're going to have talking about it on positively Trek because of how annoyed you get when we hear stuff about movies that, you know, is kind of wishy-washy. However, this is less wishy-washy than the news we've been getting in the past. So, uh, you know, we've gotten things like so-and-so is writing a script. We have this release day for this unknown movie, blah, blah, blah. This is really the first time we've had something where it's like, we want to do this movie with this cast and we're moving forward on it. So a lot can still happen between now and then, but this does sound a little bit more definite than it has in the past, which I appreciate. And of course we know for sure that they will absolutely 100% stick to that December 22nd, 2023 release date, right? Mm. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, so my thought process at first was, yeah, okay. 
like this is something that normally would excite me and I am excited about it if it turns out to be true. It's just more of the crying wolf syndrome thing of we've heard this before, you know, we're getting this mm-hmm. from Quentin Tarantino, we're getting this from this person or the first woman director, but I mean we've had it all like, you know, like you were mentioning and here yet again. And I mean the actors aren't signed. So this isn't a done deal yet, you know? Yeah, some of, the, some of the headlines out there are a little more optimistic than if you actually read the article. So yes, there is that for sure. I've noticed, you know, casters returning. Uh, not yet. <laughs> um, but so I don't know. I mean, I'm, yeah, look, we're positively tracked. But I'm going to tell you, I, I really want this to happen, but I'm not holding my breath. Again, when they say action on a set, then I'll feel like it's going to happen. As of right now, it's just kind of, uh, yeah, here's something that might happen. And I'm just like, okay, well, let's see if that happens. And that's where I am right now. Yeah, for sure. I would love to see this cast back. I'm, I'm looking forward to it as well. I've been on the record for a long time as saying, you know, the, the Kelvin timeline films have a lot in them of things that I like about Star Trek. Not my favorite things that I like about Star Trek, but a lot of them. And uh, I, I think this cast deserves another turn at the at the helm here. So I hope this happens. I'm more confident with this than a lot of other stuff that we've seen in the past. Uh, maybe it's a fool me twice shame on me thing, but we'll see. I don't know. Well, going back to what we were talking about earlier, the company itself, I feel like is more settled in now that they've gone through the merger and they probably have played out all the executives in the right places and have scoped out the direction they want to go in things. And it sounds like even from what we've read that they've done a little bit of research to see that audiences are still interested in this cast. So Mm -hmm. it does sound more promising to me that they're getting ready to settle in on something and start to make it happen. So, but again, we'll see, but I'm looking forward to it, but it's amazing to think it's been six years. This summer will be six years since we had the last movie. Yeah. That's, uh, that's really something that's crazy. Which means if this movie comes out when they say it's going to come out, that's seven and a half years after the last one. And so this cast is now seven and a half years older. So does this take place after V'ger? Do we have a V'ger in the Kelvin timeline that occurred? <laughs> you know, like I want to know where things are because they're, they already have the Enterprise A. Yeah, for sure. And we should say, you know, this cast, like I said, I think they deserve another turn here. Uh, the unfortunate thing, of course, is that Anton Yelchin won't be joining them for obvious reasons and and that's that's tragic that's too bad that we lost our check of for sure but let's just uh throw this out here bring back sophia butella as jayla i think that would be terrific that would be a really smart move on their part i saw someone post that on twitter or somewhere and i thought yes yes want to see that and i'd like to see alice eve too as carol marcus so I'd like to see them bring back some of them, but I'll take one or the other, really. But yeah, Jayla, I think, would be really cool to have. Yeah, for sure. And one thing we've never done on this podcast is a movie review of a new Star Trek movie that's come out, because that hasn't happened in the history of the podcast yet. So I'm looking forward to that, you know, like recording our thoughts as we come out of the theater or something like that, and including that. that I don't know. I'm I'm like, I have these little ideas bubbling and I'm really looking forward to seeing Star Trek on the big screen again. Well, now I'm just curious what Paramount thinks of us because Paramount, if you're listening, just so you know, I've done some Star Wars podcasting and Disney Lucasfilm gives me press passes to advanced screenings. Mm. So I want to know if you can show me that same kind of love here. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. But yeah, that's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. We haven't talked movies on here, a a new release like that before. So Mm -hmm. I said to my wife about this and I said, what do you think the next movie could be about? And she says, I don't know. They could bring back Khan. Hmm. Wait, I just heard crickets. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they they could. I mean, he's just he's on ice, I guess. Right. Or no. hmm. Yeah, he's back. He's frozen up again. 
Yeah, that's right. It's been a while since I watched Into Darkness. So, yeah. Hmm, Interesting. He's just waiting to be thawed out. She was saying that, you know, what what is Starfleet going to do with Khan and his followers? She said they're just not going to keep them frozen forever, right? So she says maybe they put them on a colony to start together. And that's what the next movie plays off of later. And I told her, I said, a lot of fans would hate if that is done. <laughs> but mm-hmm. I, I, I'm open to that. I think that, that could be cool to me. I, could I be think interesting. that would be interesting. Yeah. Yeah, and, and unfortunately, Prime Spock isn't around anymore to tell them to not put them on SETI Alpha 5. So <laughs> He's not there to save them. <laughs> they lost their lifeline on who wants to be a Starfleet officer. <laughs> yes, Regis, I'd like to use my lifeline. I'd like to call Spock, Elder Spock. To help me to <laughs> tell me what to do with this. <laughs> that's kind of just, that's basically what happened at the end of Into Darkness, eh? It's like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's call the local spoiler guy who has all the spoilers. And... <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I want to phone a friend. <laughs> or maybe I can ask the crew 50 50, <laughs> their vote. <laughs> what we there you do. go. <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll be interesting to see how this plays out. So, you know what, everybody? We'll let you know as things develop, because that's what we do here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what we'll do. So another thing, last thing we want to mention before we get on to Discovery is Star Trek Prodigy. Dan, I know you're excited about this, and I have to tell you, I am too. We're getting action figures from Playmates for, dis- uh, not Discovery, for Prodigy. Yeah, I'm I'm pretty excited about this. This was something that I kind of predicted when uh, we didn't get an announcement of Prodigy figures with that first wave, I was like, they've, they've got to be a, an announcement coming soon about those because that was one of the big things about Playmates getting this license was in, in that initial press release was that they're excited to do Star Trek Prodigy stuff because it's kid-related, right? And sure enough, now we have this announcement of a, a series of, of five releases coming in the fall of this year, in October 2022, and with a, a follow-up, a sixth one coming in early 2023. So I heard about this. I saw somebody post it, and I hurriedly clicked the article to go check it out because more than anything, I wanted to see a picture of what Rock Talk looks like. And you can imagine I was a little disappointed when I got here. But that's okay. <laughs> she's coming, but she's the sixth release that's coming next year. So... Uh, but in the meantime, we got five other releases to enjoy here. Yeah, we got all the characters released at really at the same time, including Hologram Janeway. And we have Murph and Dow in a two-pack together. But yeah, Rock Talk's the only one that's going to show up later. I guess because Rock Talk is in a, like a slower timeline right now and will show up <laughs> later. <laughs> oh, nice callback. Very nice. <laughs> but, you know, when it comes to action figures, anytime a new release comes out, there's always that situation when you go into stores and you go to look very, you know, fairly often to see the action figures. You keep seeing the same one over and over and over again. And you may be looking, let's say, for a Gwen action figure. But you're having a hard time finding Gwen. But everywhere you go, they have tons of another one, you know? And my prediction is that we're going to have a situation where everywhere I go, I keep finding Jenkin Pog action figures and I'm having a hard time finding the others. <laughs> I had a feeling you'd say him for some reason. <laughs> I know. But... He just seems like the one that would be on everybody's peg somewhere. <laughs> yeah, I... I love these. I'm definitely planning on getting these and adding them to my collection. They're such a unique group of characters, right? And the preview images we get here of the figures look terrific. Like, I think the the articulation looks great. I'm curious if Murph is kind of transparent. He doesn't really move much by the looks of it, but I, I don't know. I'm still really excited to see these in person. I want them to come out with a Murph silly putty where you open there the you go. egg... And it's Murph, and then you just bend and you know mold into something else and stuff, and then have a Constable Oda one too, and then I can have them all <laughs> bending around each other and stuff. <laughs> Excellent. So, yeah, we'll find out. We'll we'll see these in October, so that should be fun. Just a couple months before the holidays, so I know I'm going to put on my little list. Um, I'm not going to collect them all. I don't typically do that. That's just me. I'll just pick one, maybe two. 
that I'm going to really want. You know, it'll probably be the Dow Murph one because it's get two for one. Yeah. And I mean, Murph, how, how could you say no to Murph? Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to no, have a little Murph on my shelf. Yeah. No one says no to Murph. <laughs> so. Definitely. Before we get to the discovery discussion, there's one last thing I just wanted to bring up. Oh, I'm excited. You're going to surprise me with something. Well, this is this is a little bit in the not so positive news because okay. of something that happened uh, in the Star Trek fandom just recently. And that was this Investor's Day that we talked a little bit about. That's where they mentioned the name change to Paramount. Uh, for the investors call, they also had a Strange New Worlds trailer uh, that they showed during that stream that was not supposed to be released publicly but apparently was and there's been a big thing of uh people who watched it sharing screen caps from it and then their accounts getting suspended or disabled and and basically paramount doing a huge uh takedown of every image of those that they could find on the internet and scrubbing them and stuff uh so i just wanted to Highlight that a little bit because I know a lot of people are talking about it. And Trek Central, their uh, Twitter account was actually taken off for a while. They're back now. But uh, this was a big deal for a lot of Star Trek fans out there f sharing these images. And uh, I just be before we get the question, I am aware of the news. And I did want to just mention that a little bit that... Uh, yeah, it seems a little unfair that that happened. So I'm adding my voice to that, that that's, uh, that's too bad that, that this has happened. That I had no idea about this at all. This did, yeah. really did surprise me. I had no idea. I did hear about the investor meeting, that, the call that they had. I didn't know that they showed a trailer, and I didn't know that there were images leaked out. So that just shows how little I'm on social media at times. <laughs> so did you see any of these images? I'm not going to ask you what the images were. I'm just curious. I actually just missed them and somebody, uh, I want to say, so yeah, Patrick Carlin actually shared a bunch of the images in the Positively Trek discussion group. Uh, but by the time I got to it, it had one of those Facebook, this content isn't available at the moment things with, you know, no pictures and stuff. Uh, so I never got to see them, unfortunately. And I screen capped that and said, what did you all see? I want to see it too. And then that's kind of where I heard about all of this happening. And uh, yeah, <laughs> so not good, uh, unfortunately. And since, since it's come out, that's basically what I've heard was the trailer was supposed to be one of those things that basically the investors get to see, but they block it for the rest of the people on the stream but they messed up and made it available to everyone on the stream, oh. uh, which meant the people watching took screen caps and shared them. Uh, and of course they got kind of got punished for that, which turns out to be what I'm hearing anyway from people kind of paramount's mistake on that. So Ooh. that's unfortunate. Yeah, no, I, so when you said there was a trailer, I didn't, and, and it got leaked out then I thought that maybe somebody, had you know recorded it that ha was authorized to see it and then put out there but yeah they accidentally let it be seen outside of that those investors okay yeah well that's that's what i'm hearing from people so i yeah. I, I, sh I should say that's kind of hearsay as well i don't know right. that that's for sure what happened but that's what uh, i've been seeing people say well you know these screw-ups happen and you know we just have to you know <sighs> I know a lot of people are probably saying like, well, what, why can't we see anything? Why aren't we seeing a trailer? I mean, come on. What, what's the big secret? We know who's in it. We know what they look like, you know, right. But we have to be respectful of this is their property and we got to allow them to do it the way they want to do it. And that's mm -hmm. why we're not going to release anything here on the show. Even if somehow we got hold of some information or images that were given to us by somebody and we're not allowed to, it's not going to happen here. We're not mm -hmm. going to do that. At least I'm not going to do that, Dan. <laughs> Absolutely. No. And I mean, it has happened in the past, not images or anything like that, but we've come into the possession of information about stuff that's coming or something like that, that we've been told, like, don't share this. And we have to respect that because, mm -hmm. yeah, uh, it's just unfortunate that in this case, it was kind of from the sounds of it anyway, Paramount screw up and then 
it kind of the ban hammer fell on a bunch of people that thought they were probably sharing something that they thought they could because it was available on a public stream. But uh, absolutely. Yeah. Well, we'll see stuff soon enough. So, yeah. Oh, I cannot wait for that trailer, though. Oh, man. I know. I'm excited. I, it, we, it's got to be soon. You know, it's going to happen. It's going to be released right before we release this episode. So as oh, we're recording, course. it's not out, but <laughs> then it will come out. Like, I guarantee you, the day this releases, this episode releases, that trailer will come out. And people will be snickering listening to us talk about a trailer that they've already seen. Mm-hmm. It so. would not be the first time. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, but I know what everybody else has seen that we have seen, and that is Rubicon, the latest episode of Star Trek Discovery, which we'll get to here in just one moment. Thank you so much to our Patreon supporters for helping us to bring you this episode of Positively Trek. We truly could not do it without your support. To join the ranks of our Patreon supporters, such as Carl Morris, Joyce Marin, Jim Stoffel, Dave Garcia, Rick Young, Paul D. Kinnear, and John Blaber, please go to patreon.com slash positivelytrek. You can join at any level to receive perks such as early access to episodes and exclusive bonus content. And at higher levels, there are shoutouts and associations producer credits, and much more. Thank you once again for your support of Positively Trek. And now, let's get back to the show. 3,000 meters and closing. Book will be locked up for life. He stole classified tech. He's about to use an isolated weapon. Because the Federation isn't acting fast enough. You don't know what it's like to lose everything. What do you want us to do, launch an attack? I'm not saying we should attack. But Stop comparing pain, man. You have no Gentlemen. idea. Gentlemen. You are here to execute your orders however you may feel about them or one another in this moment. So here we are at the second episode of Discovery after the break that we had for a while. And I felt like last week's episode was a really good start to the second half of the season. But then I started reading some things online. It seems like it's mixed reviews. Have you heard the same thing? Hmm, I haven't really been reading a lot of other people's reviews, but... uh... I've, most of what I've been seeing has been positive. I, I would say probably most, but almost, you know, 40%, maybe not so much. Just found it kind of eh, boring. But it'll be interesting to see what we think of this episode, Rubicon, episode nine of season four. And Dan, I have to ask, so what'd you think? I really enjoyed this one. I, I thought it was excellent. I, I love how much movement we're getting on the story like I was not expecting watching this episode that we would find the DMA controller by the end of the episode and, you know, seeing the kind of things come to a head a little bit with some of what's going on with our characters. So, yeah, I, I was really invested in this one. I really enjoyed it. I enjoyed it. I enjoy all Star Trek, but I wasn't that into this episode as much hmm. as I was last week's. It's probably one of my least favorite episodes of the season. Um, just because I think it kind of plays off what I said last week that I didn't want an episode where it's just Burnham chasing book. And I kind of felt that way on this episode. I kind of wondered if that would come into play, given your comments last week. I, I, I had that thought while I was watching it. Yeah. But I will say that I feel like the chase has ended or will be ending. So that's good. That's going to move forward. But no, I didn't think it was a bad episode at all. I just wasn't as into it as some of the previous episodes. But there are some really good highlights in here, like Commander Nan coming back to be the babysitter of Burnham. So I thought, I mean, we kind of saw her in a trailer but I kind of forgot that she was coming back. And so when Admiral Vance is like, so we uh, are bringing somebody in to kind of watch things for you and make sure that you don't get too emotionally invested in trying to get book that can have a more neutral mindset of this. And, and I'm like, why is this such a big secret? <laughs> you know? And then, and then he says, commander, you can come out now. And then when she came out, I was like, Oh, of course it's not. But I had to wonder, did you know right, know right away it was going to be her coming out? Yeah, I had seen her in uh, some of the preview images and the and the trailer. So yeah, that was that was kind of the one part of the episode where I was like, oh, this is really obvious because I kind of 
almost wished that they hadn't put her in the preview images in the trailer and stuff. It would have been nice if that was a surprise, but that was, yeah, very, very much not a surprise at all. <laughs> yeah, of course, as soon as I saw her, I was like, oh, yeah, of course, duh, you know, but I didn't watch any previews or anything about what was coming up on this episode, but I do remember seeing her in the trailer for the season, but it just, I don't know, I, I expected Spock to walk out. <laughs> prime Lorca <gasps> no <laughs> oh now that would have been good <laughs> that would have been a tough sell <laughs> honestly you know who I thought it was going to be was Kovic hmm. when he said we're, we have somebody here that's we're going to send you that. I'm like oh gosh Kovic is going to be there to go okay Burnham you sh- getting too emotionally attached to this assignment I think I should take over from here on out <laughs> That's what I was kind of expecting. That would have been interesting. Commander. I was like, oh, wait, that's not going to be him. Then we have, then early in the episode, we also have Saru and Tarina, the president of Navarre. And uh, they have their little communications with each other in a meditative state of things going on. And I was like, okay, they're really going to push this whole thing of hooking these two up together. And that starts to play out a little later in the episode. Uh, Do you want to see a relationship, a romantic relationship play out between these two? I mean, you know, as we've discussed in a number of episodes already, absolutely. Yeah. I'm really, I love the chemistry between these two. I think they play off each other very, very well. I'm 100% with Culber later in the episode where Sru's like, Oh, I don't know. I don't think I really want. And, Culber says, do you have feelings for her? And he says, I think maybe yes. And Culber's like, well, you're an idiot then. You know, go for it. I'm with Culber. Absolutely. Go for it, Saru. Come on. I can't help but think they're setting this up for something that's going to make us sad later. You know, oh, like really? something's going to happen. Yeah. Like, like what? What do you think? I don't know. Like Tarina dies. Oh, Saru no. has to deal with it. Her death or something like anytime anytime i watch like a movie or something and we're setting up a couple i mean you know we talked about in previous episodes where i thought oh a book is probably gonna die you mm-hmm. know like anytime you set up in like an action movie type of situation two characters falling in love that something disastrous is going to happen to one of them and then we get all emotional and you know, because we've even seen with other couples in star trek that parting of ways and then reuniting later Mm-hmm. Well, I think if anything happens to Saru or Tarina, we riot. I, I don't want to see that happen. <laughs> <laughs> I think Doug Jones would probably riot, too. He wants these love scenes to take place. <laughs> the pointed ears. He has a thing for pointed ears, I'm sure. Don't we all? <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, anyway, so Burnham and crew with Nan have to go and find book. And good thing they have the spore drive because that what makes them the ship that can go get book in the dma as soon as they can get there is worth the spore drive and of course them arriving there they get into a shuttle craft by the way i loved seeing the the whole cloaking device of the discovery and then it going in to its black alert of going through the spore drive it just like that image was kind of interesting and cool to me that was pretty cool. The visual effects showing the cloaking device and how it operates on Discovery and stuff in this episode, I think that worked really well. I loved the like zoom in we get later to the bridge through the cloak as well. Yeah, There's some really striking imagery in this episode. Yeah, you're right. I like that. That was a really cool effect too. And then we have them on the shuttlecraft. We have Burnham and Bryce and Reese and Culber on the shuttlecraft going towards Book's ship. And that's also... Except Burn- Burnham's very, very much not on the shuttlecraft. As she she points out early, she says she definitely will not be on, on the mission in the shuttlecraft. Oh, that's right. She wasn't on the shuttlecraft. She's on a shuttlecraft later. So wait, mm-hmm. it was Bryce, it was Reese, and it was Culber and... Saru. Saru. I knew there was a fourth one. See, I got my captains confused. You know why? Because they dress alike. That must be it, yeah. (laughs) But no, we see that effect too, that they are also cloaked. And then what was that that security system that they had that just kind of like froze the shuttlecraft to book ship? That was kind of cool. Yeah, the programmable matter just kind of enveloping the shuttle. 
yeah. uh, especially before it decloaked, like as it, as it was cloaked, it was surrounding it. That was pretty neat effect. I like that. Yeah. So did you think they were going to die? Cause they thought they were going to die. <laughs> it was a close one. No, of course, of course I didn't think they would die, <laughs> but yeah, it was a close one. I love seeing the shuttle break apart there. And, and yeah, that was a, that was a tense moment for sure. Yeah. When it broke apart, I was like, oh no, wait. They're not going to kill them, are they? And bam, they're on the bridge, beamed up, and they just fall down on I, I kind of like that effect, too. That's the thing about the beaming in this century is it's so quick, you know? Mm-hmm. Before the, the shuttlecraft's destroyed, though, I want to talk about a little bit of a moment that um, Bryce and Reese have on the shuttlecraft as well, because there, there's some interesting things here where, you know, there's a lot of people that kind of sympathize with what Book and Tarka are doing, and people who are of course very much against it and i had a thought watching this as they were having that discussion it reminded me a lot of the maquis in deep space nine and tng and voyager and stuff where some people sympathized with them like you know the federation gave away their colonies to the cardassians and suddenly they're on the other side of the border and all this stuff and there are people in starfleet that sympathize with them like there's this was very similar to a conversation on the bridge, I think in the episode for the cause between O'Brien and Worf, where O'Brien was kind of saying like, I get what the Maquis are, are doing. Like, I, I understand why they're so upset. And Worf is like, no, our duty is to Starfleet. We must, you know, blah, blah, blah. This conversation really reminded me of that. And is, you know, anything that reminds me of great moments in deep space nine is a winner in my book. <laughs> now I see what you're saying. Yeah. It's kind of got that Voyager vibe too, right. With the Maquis on the ship and, you know, different points of view of that situation what's going on in the alpha quadrant. Yeah. And then we also see Reese and Nielsen also kind of having a little exchange on the bridge too. It is kind of nice to see that not everybody who works in Starfleet has the same point of view that there mm-hmm. are going to be some disagreements. I mean, that's just human nature. Yeah. So. And I, I do love Culber's point of, you know, finding common ground between people during arguments and find something that you can agree with and build on that. And I, I feel like that's a lesson when I was watching this, I was like, this is a lesson so many of us need nowadays. Yeah. And that is the lesson. That is the message of this episode, mm-hmm. because as we find out later, that's the common ground, the middle ground that they're looking for between Burnham and book, which I guess we'll get to here in a little bit. But so we've got this whole thing going on and the DMA and the two ships at each other and books, not really listening to Burnham, but he's hearing Burnham, but still thinks he should move forward with the mission of destroying the DMA. And of course, Tarka's there and he's just like, come on, man, we got to do this. Don't back down on me now. You know, I mean, it's almost like Burnham and Tarka are the devil and the angel on book shoulders. (laughs) A little bit. Yeah. (laughs) And I always felt that I think Burnham is getting more into book's head than Tarka is. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Because, you know, Book is doing this for, in his mind, altruistic reasons, right? To save as many lives as possible. And Burnham, from her perspective, is doing that as well, right? She wants to save as many lives as possible by making sure Species 10C doesn't retaliate for what they do. Tarka, on the other hand, is very has very selfish reasons. He wants that con- the power source to be able to get home right to this other universe that he's talking about. So yeah, like I think in the end, even though book and Tarka are on the same side, as far as what to do Burnham's arguments for why he should do one thing or another are going to resonate more with him than Tarka's is, you know, because books doing it for, his reasons. And he knows that that's not why Tarka is there. That's just kind of a fortunate happenstance that their end goals align, at least at the moment. Yeah. They have two different motivations. They want the same results, but for different reasons. Mm-hmm. I mean, book could care less if Tarka gets back home. Yeah. I don't think book really cares all that much about Tarka anyway. It's just Tarka is the one who can help him do what he is out to do. Yeah. And vice versa. Like Tarka doesn't care about books, motivations or wanting yeah. to save lives. He just uses that as leverage against him 
by, you know, saying that when it's appropriate to, to motivate book to do what Tarko wants him to do. Did you, I, I mean, I have to say that I mentioned the last episode, I find Tarka to be entertaining for me. Not as much in this episode. He was starting to annoy me more because he was just so against book and getting his way and just slapping his hand on the console like fire, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, someone's got to shut this guy down, you know? Yeah, that and I mean that's kind of how I felt last week too. Like well acted, very very well portrayed character, but I think like this week his true colors are showing more. You know, he's yeah. less the charming guy and more the, you know, person who's kind of becoming a bit unhinged because he sees what he wants and is gr- just outside of his grasp and he can't quite get it, you know? And that's when you start to see the true character come through. Yeah, and then there's the the battle scenes and dealing with the DMA. I mean, the special effects look great. And then seeing the two ships using their spore drives and kind of hopping around each other. And, you know, Burnham's like, I'm staying here. You are not getting past me. And then when she decides to take a shuttlecraft to go towards his ship to find that middle ground and thinks that we can come to a compromise, we have found some new information because the what's the chemical that... It likes to eat the boronite. Yeah. The boronite, the boronite. And it's still got another week's worth. It's not going to move. We have a week to work this out. We can, this is our middle ground. Give us the week to make a connection. And if it doesn't work out, Starfleet supports you using the device to, to destroy it book. But can we come to that agreement? And book comes to that agreement Mm -hmm. and Burnham's like, whew, then I can stop sweating. I'm going back to the ship and we're going to have a little party. And as she's going back, Tarka has a temper tantrum. No, I'm not doing what they want to do. And then he fires the freaking or just transports the weapon into the DMA and destroys it. Now I had to, you know, you have to worry at this point, what's going to happen next. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So that was a lot of, I put it all out there. We went through a ton of the episode there. I want to jump back a little bit to something you said very early in that you were talking about them going through the DMA and this kind of cat and mouse game. I totally had like a bit of a flashback to Star Trek to the wrath of Khan and the battle in the Mutara Nebula just for a few moments as like they were going in there and looking for the controller and looking for a book. And I don't know, Burnham's like leaning forward in the chair you know, looking at the view screen, trying to, you know, I just, I got Star Trek two vibes. So like for me, this episode, it's making me think of deep space nine. It's making me think of Star Trek two. I'm kind of in love a little bit just because it's hitting those touchstones for me of, of things I really enjoy. Uh, so I, I did like that. Now going to the end of the episode, you were talking about destroying the, the DMA controller and stuff. Uh, I got to say, I had this thought while I was watching it because they destroy it and the, the DMA disappears. And then by the end of the episode, it pops back and and turns on again. And uh, I was like thinking about what the 10 C over on the, uh, just outside the galaxy are thinking like the, the DMA turns off and they're like, Oh, that's weird. Ah, Okay flip the switch and turn it back on. And right. uh, I have to say John Guppy in our Facebook group put it best. I really loved his comment on the spoiler thread for this episode. Uh, and again, I should have it here uh, pulled up and ready, but I don't. Um, oh, here it is. Uh, John Guppy <laughs> said, I can't get this picture out of my head in some cramped control room somewhere. Two entities have this exchange. The DMA just went offline in an isolinear explosion. Huh. I thought we fixed that. Go ahead and send out a replacement. <laughs> and they flick a switch and it comes back. <laughs> it may have just been just like that. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> well, then it's like, okay, because Tarkus is that the energy being used for that is on the other side of the galaxy of, you know, the universe or whatever from this. Oh, yeah, the galaxy. And then, so he can't utilize it. And then this, it returns, the the DMA is returned. You can blow it up all you want. They're just going to throw the switch back on again, right? So Mm -hmm. it defeats the whole person. Like, book has nothing to do now. 
he's not going to go back and try it again. So the the cat and mouse chase is over at this point. I just wonder what Tarka's motivation is going to be from now on if he doesn't think he can get back to his to the universe that he's trying to get to. Yeah, I don't know. He's like you say in the in the notes here, he's still a wild card, right? Like he probably has some more stuff up his sleeve, but he seems pretty defeated at the moment. But I don't know. I feel like he's definitely a rogue element that's going to not be fun to deal with. Yeah. So I I don't know where this is going to go. I think we're going to make first contact probably in this next episode. I haven't watched any previews or read anything what the next episode is going to be about. So I have no clue, but at least I feel like, okay, this is good. We're moving the story forward. We're getting past, you know, trying to destroy the DMA and it really is going to be first contact. That's the only solution they have at this point anyway. I mean, book has to support that and Tarka's got to support that because what else are you going to do? You can't destroy the thing. It's just going to come right back. Like you said, they're just going to throw the switch. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the one thing that I wonder is Tarka says that the energy is on the other side of the wormhole, which is what's connecting this to where species 10 C is. I can see Tarka getting it in his head to send something through the wormhole to destroy the controller wherever that is and that being like you know that's not just destroying their mining equipment at this point that's a direct attack on them so that's where i think his mind's gonna go next and he must be stopped from doing that at all costs of course of course yes and book will be the one to stop him could be (laughs) that's what i think i want to talk a little bit about non and her role in the story for sure because Uh, I love that she's brought on to kind of ride herd on Burnham a little bit and make sure she does what needs to be done because, of course, Burnham's very close to the situation. And I kind of appreciate that it's not really done in this antagonistic kind of situation where Burnham is really resenting that role there. Like, even she kind of goes like, yeah, I'm pretty close to the situation. I can see why they'd want to do this. And I'm glad that it's non because it's someone I know and that sort of thing. So I appreciated that side of the story, something that like maybe in another series or another trick situation, there might be that feeling of resentment over being uh, kind of watched over like that. I like that it's kind of flipped on its head here a little bit and we see a different situation. I would say my favorite part of that relationship is when she brings, when Burnham brings Nan to the bridge and tells everybody why she's there, mm-hmm. you know, and you could tell Nan wasn't really expecting her to maybe explain that reason. I'm going to be completely honest that this is what's going on and that's the right thing to do. I would have done the same thing. And it's like, okay, she's level headed, right? And it's not about ego. It's about what's best for the mission. And she understands that and she trusts and she trusts Nan. And so does everyone else. I, that was probably one of my most favorite scenes in this in this episode. So I'm glad you brought that up. Yeah, for sure. And the other thing, we talked a little bit about Bryce and Reese and their little bit of an argument. I love that Reese is the one who is kind of sympathizing with what Book and Tarka are doing. And then later in the episode, he's the one with his finger over the button because they come up with this this idea, Nan has this plan basically that Starfleet has given her a way to destroy Book's ship with one shot. So they kind of have this kill switch that if all else fails, they can fire a torpedo at this particular spot and completely destroy Book's ship. Of course, Burnham doesn't want to do that, but accepts that it's a last ditch possibility that they might have to. And she turns that over to Nan, right? She says to the crew before she goes over in the shuttlecraft, she says, be ready to utilize this this solution on Nan's order. If she gives that order, do it. And like I said, Reese is the one who has to execute that. And he's the one that was kind of most sympathetic to what Book and Tarka were doing. So I thought that was an interesting illustration that like, even though he in a much smaller way than Burnham, he is, he also has a bit of a personal stake in this, but he will still do his duty. Like I never doubted that he would push that button if push came to shove. 
Yeah, I agree. I don't, I think he definitely would have done it, whether he believes, you know, in using it or not, you know, that's the mission and he's going to see it through, which brings me to the thing I was thinking about when the DMA was destroyed and they returned back to Starfleet and the Federation. And I kept thinking, well, they failed at their mission. The DMA was destroyed and Nan was there to make sure that this weapon would have been used against book ship, this last measure, and they didn't use it. And had they have used it, this would not have ever happened. So they failed at their mission. Now, mm-hmm. luckily the DMA returned again, like you said, through, you know, the light switch came back on again, but really they should have gotten in trouble for not following through what they were supposed to do because they ended up really losing at the end of this. Yeah, and it's it's actually funny though that you say that luckily the DMA came back because right. like that's actually I think the worst possible situation happened. So they did this thing that possibly antagonized this species and it also made no difference. Like they they possibly declared war on a species that is so much more powerful than them and it also didn't have the desired effect of destroying this thing that's destroying planets. Right. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's really a lose lose at the end here, unfortunately. And yeah, I, I had this similar thought that they kind of failed their mission, but I feel like the mitigating circumstances of book having surrendered and then it being Tarka that basically took over and did that, uh, was something that maybe somebody should have seen coming, but at the same time, you know, you can't really blame the discovery crew for, you know, accepting the surrender and then it's still happening, you know? So it's too bad. <laughs> like I know the end result is still really, really bad and stuff, but I'm like, but, but they surrendered, you know? Oh, anyway. Yeah, and it does feel that their concentration seemed to focus more on Book than Tarka. Because why is Nan there? Because of Burnham's relationship with Book. And then who does she negotiate with? It's Book. It's It mm-hmm. always seems to focus on Book. And maybe they should have taken it more seriously that, like we said earlier, they may have the same goal, Tarka and Book, but they have different motivations and Burnham was able to work on Book's motivation and work on Book, not thinking, but I also have to stop Tarka. Because Tarka mm-hmm. isn't going to always listen to Book. Just because I stop Book doesn't mean I stop Tarka. So that's yeah. where they failed in that. At the same time, I don't think anything they would have said to Tarka would have made a bit of difference. I think talking, no. to, I think talking to Book was their best bet because of that personal relationship. Like at least there's a chance you can get book to stand down, but there's no, there's no personal relationship with Tarka. There's no reason for him to listen, but book is the one that would listen to reason. Yeah. All the reason though, they should have blew, blew up a ship. I mean, I don't want to see that happen, <laughs> but, but then I mean, you have you... to fire David Ajala and I like I, him. <laughs> I know. And I don't want to see that happen, but seriously though, if they had blown up the ship, Tarkin never would have destroyed the DMA. And again, luckily it came back on, but he did destroy the DMA. And what if it didn't come back on? They failed at their mission. They should have blew up Tarka, unfortunately, and book with them. Yeah. But again, like if the DMA hadn't come back on, that would at least would have been one good thing. (laughs) Yes, that is true. Unfortunately, it came back on. (laughs) Yes. So final thoughts in this episode. I really enjoyed it. I don't think it's, again, like last week, it's not my favorite of the season, but there was a lot that I really enjoyed in it. And uh, I got to say, visually, it was a lot easier to pick a screen cap for the artwork for this episode (laughs) than it was last week. You know, really cool space shots of them inside the DMA versus uh, dingy shots from inside a a bar. You know, I I like the looks of this episode a little bit, but... Uh, Yeah, I really enjoyed it. I love the book Burnham relationship. And after this episode, I have some hope for it being salvaged now. Like, I don't think they've crossed too many lines that they can't come back from now. Whereas 
like after last week, I was kind of thinking this might be done. Like they might be, they might've gone too far for it to recover. But this week I feel like, yeah, there's some hope there. Uh, as far as Tarka and where this goes from here, I don't know. I'm really curious to see what he does next. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm curious to see 10 C I'm excited to see what the first contact mission will yield. And, uh, until then, yeah, I, I enjoyed this episode. I give it one really brilliant DMA explosion that ultimately doesn't do anything. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Uh, I didn't like the episode as much. Like I said earlier, this is my least favorite of the season. Again, not a bad episode at all. I was very curious to know what was going to happen with the DMA and was surprised that they did destroy it and then it came back. And, well, I was probably even just more surprised that they did destroy it because at that point I was like, oh, no, what's going to happen next, right? But I did like seeing Commander Non back and that relationship with Burnham. And as you mentioned, the relationship between Book and Burnham in this episode and just the Bryce Reese argument, giving those characters a little something there to do and uh, seeing Tarka be that wild card and... uh but again, I wasn't as entertained from this episode as some of the others. So I'm going to say that I'm giving this episode three out of five times that we haven't seen Grudge. Oh, yeah. Where the heck is Grudge this season? <laughs> you know, we, we saw her early on, but, you know, I why did why isn't Book asking about her? What's going on? Come on. I, I think Tarka has destroyed Grudge. <laughs> well, Burnham has Grudge. Yeah. A book, book left Grudge with Burnham. Yeah. But but where the heck is she? But we even seen Burnham's quarters in this episode and Grudge wasn't there. Oh man. <laughs> That's going to be the true end of their relationship. Burnham couldn't look after Grudge. I think uh maybe Grudge is hiding because Grudge is scared. Oh, queens don't get scared. <laughs> oh, that's a good point. So I have a really quick last question. Did you miss Tilly? I do a bit. Uh, yeah, last week is when I noticed kind of her absence a little bit. Yeah, I miss her. I just miss her presence a little bit. I wouldn't mind some Tilly action. And I know we've got four more episodes and they've said she's in the season again at some point. So I'm going to hold them to that. Every week we're going to have a Tilly watch and I'm going to be like, is she here? I don't know. I haven't seen her. Come on, <laughs> Where's guys. Tilly? Where's Tilly? Where's Grudge? Come on. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I miss her too. But I also appreciate the fact that the rest of the characters in this are strong enough that it's not mm -hmm. like, oh, with Tilly gone, now the show sucks. You know? Yeah, it still for sure. works. So. Absolutely. So when you're not watching Discovery, Dan, where can people find you online? You can find me online on Twitter at Kurtrats. That's K-E-R-T-R-A-T-S youtube.com slash Kurtratz productions. And of course in the positively Trek discussion group on Facebook, I can be in that group too. Cause you'll see me there. And then I'm on Twitter at Admiral underscore Rex. That's Admiral with the underline Rex. And occasionally I've been on the literary Treks podcast there on the TFM network. And occasionally I've been on star Wars report podcast, even though we haven't had any episodes lately, but uh, I think something is on its way over to you guys soon if you listen to that show and then of course you can always email us positively trek at gmail.com our twitter handle and instagram handle are at positively trek and also we have our goodreads group for our book club so you can join us there to see upcoming books that we're going to cover on the book club episodes and we have our book club episode coming up later this week with Kirsten Beyer and Mike Johnson to talk about the audio drama from Star Trek Picard, No Man's Land. So we're Ooh. looking forward to that. I'm and excited. That's, that's not just in us interviewing the authors, but we're also going to give our review without the authors there and give our honest to goodness feelings about the audio drama. <laughs> so stay tuned for that. So anyway, thanks everyone for listening. And you know what we always say, stay positive.
Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.